Hello, I'm Rena Grobe, and I'm Madhvi Ramani, and this is Misinformed, where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madhvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? Recently, I've been thinking about romance quite a lot. I've been dating someone for a few months, and then quarantine happened, and it kind of changed our dynamic slightly. So Bumble Instagram something quite funny a couple of weeks ago, which says, "My boyfriend and I have been dating for six months and three quarantine weeks, so twelve years," and that's kind of like how I felt because all of the typical romance things have been taken away, like going to the cinema, going to a restaurant, going for a drink. It was kind of fun at the beginning because you were like, "It's kind of nice and comfortable, and you get to know other aspects of the person that you never got to know before." So, for example, if they're working from home, you can see that aspect of them. There was this really funny thread on Twitter by Laura Norkin who said. A funny thing about quarantining is hearing your partner in full work mode for the first time. Like I'm married to a let's circle back guy. Who knew? So in a way, it's kind of fun. But then what started to happen as the quarantine went on is we had nothing else to do. We were just like taking it for granted that we would just kind of see each other at the weekend, that we would cook together and watch TV. And after a while, that becomes really boring. So I started thinking about like I don't think of myself as a very like romance-based person. I don't need flowers and chocolates, and I don't like heart-shaped things or anything. But it's got me thinking about the function of romance because if just going to a restaurant or doing some things that are considered to be romantic gives you a kind of structure in which. To spend time and communicate better, and also obviously it's not just me. There are people who their dating lives have changed because of quarantines, so they they can no longer date as many people or see couples who have been separated. There are couples who have just started seeing each other and then decided to quarantine together. There's a great article on the BBC website about this. The kind of Tinder couples, and there's a name for this, and it's called Corona cuffing. And then also probably a lot of people are staying at home, having a lot of sex. We're also anticipating maybe an increased birth rate in nine months' time, and and that new generation is being referred to as coronials. And then of course maybe the divorce rate is going to go up too because just being packed together with your partner, if there are any frictions or tensions or problems in that relationship. They're going to be emphasized in preparation for this episode. We sort of just asked all of our friends if they had any stories to share, anything that was relevant. And one of my friends sent me a message about this, and he wrote, "I firstly let my sort of girlfriend stay with me after her school shut down, and they switched to online classes. I'm totally over putting up with weeks of pointless drama, terrible TV, and this stupid app called TikTok." While I'm trying to deal with real problems, so this sort of links back to what you were saying about kind of Tinder cuffing because I don't think he met her on Tinder, but still, it's like they weren't really together, and yet they just decided to quarantine together, and he's basically ready to murder her. I think with quarantine measures being introduced quite quickly, people had to sort of decide if they were going to isolate by themselves or with the person that they were seeing. In the UK, for example, Matt Hancock, the health secretary, said, and this is his quote: "Make your choice and stick with it." 
in addition to how this is affecting existing couples, it's also affecting how are you dating now, you know, because of coronavirus. Online dating has become even more relevant, probably one of the only ways to date right now. And online dating or like these apps, they're kind of weird anyway. Like there's definitely a gamification to them. And actually in Modern Romance, the book by Aziz Ansari, he talks to a gaming professor and she says that the sense of instant gratification that we get when someone texts back to us that we're like attracted to or interested in romantically is the same type of instant gratification that we get when we play a slot machine. So as we head into like the second month of being indoors and not being able to go to bars, people's experiences of online dating are becoming even more relevant. So we've asked people to share their experiences. So this is what our listener Miriam has to say about her experience. Hi, Matvi. Hi, Rina. Yeah, I've been thinking about um, sober dating during Corona times. And um, by sober, I don't mean free of alcohol. I mean free of hormones. Because what we can't do right now is we can't kiss, we can't cuddle. We can't do all the physical stuff that releases a lot of feeling good hormones. And it is this feeling good that makes me want to see a person again. And it is also this feeling good or wanting to feel this kind of good again that um, made me so far blind or blending out stuff about guys that I did not really appreciate. Enter Corona and video dating. So this was really helpful for me and that's why I want to share it um, with you. Yeah, I was seeing this guy for two weeks on video a guy from Paris, and we got along really, really well. We also felt attracted. And um, then he started to be like a bit flaky or like not apologizing um, when he missed a call, which can happen. Or, yeah, showing behavior traits that said where I said or something within me said, be careful, You know this, you know where it can be going. So if I would have been full of hormones, I suppose that I would have gone further with this guy or invested more into this guy of my time, of my feelings, of my opening up. But as I was sober, I could see this right away and stop this. So what I was thinking now is that this is something, as I know now that it's possible, I want to take this into post-corona times to... Decide much more quickly to move on. I love that I could experience this because of Corona. It seems like we've moved to a more measured, considered, maybe even more old-fashioned way of dating. You know, we had to talk to the person for like way longer and woo them a little bit uh, <laughs> and get to know them more rather than like doing the physical thing first. But on the other hand, we spoke to Ryan, who is also dating at this time. And his experience was not as positive as Miriam's. Let's have a listen to what he has to say. I have been on three dates. This has not gone well. I feel like people are very bored at the moment and they're looking for entertainment rather than anything actually intimate. So tell me about, like, tell me about the first date. How did you meet? What platform are you using? We met on Tinder and our first date was going on a bike ride because there was no opportunity to go to a movie or go to dinner or go to a bar. So we went on a bike ride to a lake. 
So I found what looked like a really beautiful lake in the middle of the countryside. We got there. She complained that it took too long because I took the wrong route. We arrived. The lake was bone dry and surrounded by rubbish. It's very romantic. Uh, we talked a lot. We talked a lot by video date initially, actually. That went pretty well. I felt things were going good. But then when we met in person, things just felt a little bit more awkward. There was no intimacy. She seemed very excited about the fact that she got to hang out with another human. Whereas for the two weeks before, she'd just been sitting at home by herself, very bored. I felt like I was the source of some entertainment. I like making new friends, but I wasn't meeting her just to make friends. But I very much felt like that was all I was there for. So dating apps have turned into something else. This has been my experience so far, at least. And that's really interesting what both of them have said, because essentially they're experiencing the same thing just from different points of view. She's talking about how in the past she's been looking to make a connection. And when people have not been looking for the same thing, now that coronavirus is a thing and she's sober, she describes it, she's able to recognize that right away and just move on. Whereas before she would have been invested in trying to make it work, even though the person wasn't interested romantically they were just you know looking to have someone to talk to or get instant gratification from and he's experiencing the same thing just from the other side he's saying oh you know these women they're not looking for a romantic relationship they're just looking to make a connection to be entertained right now and it's so fascinating that it's frustrating him and she's looking at it like completely positively but i think that what ryan is saying that, you know, dating apps are being used in a sort of different way, maybe for entertainment or just some sort of human connection, not necessarily anymore to hook up, to find a date for romance purposes, has been recognised by the dating apps themselves. Tinder Passport, which is a premium feature, was made free to all users, which means that now, which means that, like, users could like drop to pin anywhere in the world and um, searched for kind of connections in different cities and different locations from where they actually were because if they're quarantined it almost doesn't matter who you're talking to the chances that you're going to meet up with them is very low anyway so why not just talk to anyone anywhere in the world and Ellie Seidman, the CEO of Tinder, said, We hope our members, many of whom are anxious and looking for more human connection, can use Passport to transport themselves out of self-quarantine to anywhere in the world. So the apps have kind of changed a little bit around this virus too. And obviously other apps like Bumble, for example, have introduced a video chat feature in their app. Hinge reported that about 70% of their users said they would be open to video dating, which I believe is also a new feature that they've added. And so I guess we're sort of moving away from the traditional sense of romance with corona and, you know, not being able to see one another and also transitioning into what Miriam calls sober dating, right? Because all these gestures and all of this is just, it's removed. We now have the absence of romantic gestures. But I, as a person anyway, have such a qualm with romantic gestures because all of this performative romance, to me, it's incredibly manipulative because you're not really doing all of these things for the other person. You're doing it to sort of satisfy society's expectation of romance. You know, as you mentioned before, flowers or chocolate hearts and all of these cutesy things 
they're not for your partner. Because if you think about like big romantic gestures, yes, I'm sure there's one or two people that actually enjoy them. But the reality is, is that when you put a woman on the spot in public like that, let's say a big wedding proposal, they often feel forced to say yes or sort of in the moment agree. The same thing with, imagine if you came into a restaurant and the whole thing is filled with candles and there's flowers everywhere. You're going to feel sort of not obliged, but the person has put a lot of effort into the thing that they're doing. So this performative romance makes you feel like you have to reciprocate in some way. Whereas shouldn't romance be about what the person actually wants? When I was at university, I was taking a film class and we were watching a film by a now really well-known director. And she was talking about how she's obsessed with bugs. She loves bugs and she loves those where you like pin dead bugs to a board and then put them behind glass and for their anniversary her boyfriend got her a bunch of bugs and how it seems very odd and to her it was the most romantic gesture because it proved that he really knew her he knew her as a person he was paying attention to her so this was like a private intimate moment between the two of them there was not none of it was performative so this is where jewelry is also super interesting because jewelry has traditionally been the sort of performative gift that a man gives a woman Obviously, in heteronormative relationships is what I'm talking about here. And jewelry actually are incredibly valuable to women or have been in the past because before women were allowed to have bank accounts, jewelry was actually their way of securing money should things go really badly. So, you know, as we in the money episode, we talked about the fuck you fund. Jewelry used to be women's fuck you fund. Yeah, like I said, the flowers and the chocolates and people buying you stuff is not really romantic. But I recently read this book called The Five Love Languages. It's quite famous. It's by Gary Chapman, who's actually a marriage counsellor. So the book is quite, you know, heteronormative, kind of marriage and US-centred. But he basically says that people, you know, fundamentally need to be loved and everyone expresses and feels love in different ways. So identifying your partner's love language is the key to a long-lasting relationship. A cool fact from this book is that the initial phase of a relationship, or what's called a kind of in-love period, probably what Miriam was referring to as like the really hormonal thing that, that happens in our bodies and our brains that clouds our judgment, has been really closely studied. And a psychologist called Dorothy Tanoff studied this phenomenon. And after analysing hundreds of couples... She found that the average length of a relationship that was centred around romance was just two years, which actually I think two years is quite good, but okay. But as that feeling of love wears off, emotional communication is key. And for the long haul, it's kind of really key to understand what your partner's love language is. So there are five different languages. The first one is words of affirmation. So like just appreciating the other person, complimenting them, encouraging them, kind words, things like that. The second is spending time with your partner, which I think is the thing that I find particularly romantic, if we want to use that word. Which is not just sitting around in the same space or watching TV or being on your laptops together, but actually focusing on your partner and having really good conversations or doing activities together. Um, The third love language is giving gifts. They don't have to be necessarily expensive gifts. It's just physical symbols of love. The fourth love language is acts of service, he calls it. So doing useful things for your partner. Like I said, the book is quite heteronormative and marriage-based. And I think a lot of this is based around traditional gender roles. So it basically means dudes, if your wife is doing a lot of work around the house, maybe think about that and pick up some of the slack. But also, I think 
all of us could learn from that. You know, if your partner is having a particularly stressful week or it's just a way of being supportive to help them out a little bit. And the fifth one, which is also really important to me, is uh, physical touch. So for me, if you personalize those things and try and communicate emotionally with your partner and show them that you love them, for me, that's romance. But I completely understand what you're saying about performative gestures and the manipulation of it, because I recently downloaded TikTok. I think TikTok is like, so the amount of apps that have been downloaded during the quarantine has just skyrocketed and TikTok is one of the main ones. But there are a lot of couples quarantining together and posting videos of their kind of couple lives. And there are a few trends going on in TikTok. One is this, what is your story as a couple? Who loves more? Who spends more money? All of this kind of stuff. And then there's there's a script on TikTok that everyone's following. And it basically goes like this. So a guy goes up to uh, his girlfriend and says, babe, you're the love of my life right now. And her response is normally, what do you mean, right now? And he's like, yeah, in a few years' time, I'm going to have another love in my life. And she's, by this point, she's like, what the fuck? And then he's like, oh, no, and she's going to be calling you mommy. And then all the girls melt and like, oh, that's so cute. I find the entire thing completely creepy and manipulative. You're just playing on their emotions, making them jealous or sad, and then... There's an assumption that she wants kids, that she wants to stay with you forever, that you are going to stay with with each other forever. This idea that true romantic love is a love that lasts forever is also, it's a construct. And all of these performances on TikTok are just one video after another after another are reinforcing this idea and this construct. All of these TikTok trends about who spends more money and using that as like a way to measure romance is so insane because you're commodifying romance and love. You're saying that you can judge how much you love someone based on how much money they spend on you, which is stupid because like if your partner really loves lollipops, then buying them a bunch of, you know, cheap lollipops from the grocery store means a lot more than buying them a necklace or an expensive car. And this sort of links back to this idea of love, monogamy, and marriage, and all of these things. Vox did a short video on monogamy, and they make sure to point out that monogamy and love aren't the same thing. The inference here being that marriage is the manifestation of monogamy. And they also point out that adultery is actually still illegal in 20 U.S. states as of 2018 when this was made. And it's actually punishable in prison in Massachusetts. You can go to prison for three years for being unfaithful. And they go on to sort of explain that the first evidence of monogamy is about 1,200 years ago when we stopped being hunter-gatherers and learned how to farm. And so that when this sort of happened, the idea of marriage was introduced, and marriage was introduced as more of a way to make alliances, to form peace treaties, to exchange property. You basically wanted to gather in-laws to, you know, have more land or have more power. And also, it was a way to control women and use them as a bartering tool. So this idea of romance and love and monogamy all of these things are relatively modern inventions and so i think that even nowadays even though we say we've moved on to marriage of love i think that we're still in these old manipulation patterns where we try to control women just nowadays we do it through different things we're trying to control women through romance essentially and especially with the introduction of dating apps where it's been turned into even more of a game you know in times when we don't have corona and we can all go outside it seems curious to me that we still think of romance as being the height of love i guess because 
it's just changed so much and it's no longer what it used to be, but it's also still exactly what it was because it's still a tool for manipulating women. We just can do it differently now. Gestures like buying a woman dinner or opening the door for her, a lot of those courting rituals come from medieval chivalry. As Margaret Mead says, a romantic love as it occurs in our civilization is inextricably bound up with ideas of monogamy, exclusiveness, jealousy, and undeviating fidelity. So even though ro- like performative romantic gestures aren't important to me, love is, and still the way that it manifests in our culture through movies and books and TV shows and all of these things as a reflection of love in our society, but just in general as you know how we consume it. And I recently watched a really, really cute rom-com, which is, it's very rare nowadays to watch a cute rom-com because they're all ridiculous, full of pratfalls. And, but this movie is called The Half of It. It's on Netflix. And it was so sweet and it was so cute. And it sort of circumnavigated the normal rom-com tropes. And it had a really nice platonic twist to it. And it was just, I highly recommend it. And I think everyone should go watch it. And the movie actually opens with a really funny quote by Oscar Wilde. In love, one always starts by deceiving oneself and ends by deceiving others. That is what the world calls romance. You will find links to our Twitter and Instagrams in our show notes, as well as links to all the content we have discussed this week. Until next time, thank you for listening.